and all of a sudden, anybody that knew Ruby and how to get it to do things was in great demand because there was all this new uh, stuff going on in Rails, and so they wanted people that knew Ruby. And so in kind of a lucky twist of fate, this knowledge I had just been playing around with for fun was suddenly very valuable to people. Date, June 2015, episode 122 with James Edward Gray II. You will hear about the early days of Ruby, Rails, and how the Ruby Rogues podcast got started. James also talks about the time when he first played with Ruby and about newbies getting started with programming. This episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Cold School and Media Temple. Please tell us more about the involvement with the Ruby Rogues podcast. And how did it get started? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. That's kind of funny because I had wanted a panel podcast in Ruby for a while based on other podcasts I listened to and and enjoying that format. So I had had just had that desire. And then I can't remember who tweeted about it first. It was either me or Charles. He had been thinking the same thing. And finally, one day, one of us just tweeted, it would be nice if there was a panel podcast for Ruby or something. And then the other one responded and was like, I've been thinking the same thing. And we started trading emails and invited some of our friends. And that was the initial Ruby Rogues group. And it's interesting because uh, the podcast definitely found its way over time. Like um, in the beginning, we uh, just talked among the panel about different topics. And then I think we tried an interview early on and we felt like it didn't go very well. And we were like, ah, oh, that was terrible. Let's not do that. Again. <laughs> and um, and uh, so we kind of shied away from that for a while, which is funny because I think that's when the show really got good was when we figured out that we could, you know, have experts on and talk to them about their thing and the panel could ask them various questions and uh, stuff like that. So it definitely goes through this uh, learning cycle and it's pretty interesting if you go back and listen to the beginning and watch it grow up. Uh, Maybe a little painful in parts, but I definitely think uh, that's what eventually made it a good show. What is your involvement with the podcast these days, or are you retired? It's true. I retired um, uh, a while back. I, I, I did the show for over three years, and I really loved it. I really do love it. Uh, but it's a lot of work, you know, finding uh, guests. I hooked up maybe, I don't know, about 80% of the guests we ever had probably. Oh, you did? When I was on the show, and, and um, it just takes a lot of time, you know, coordinating mm-hmm. with people. And then I'm one of those people who I really like to... When we would have a guest on, I would try to, before we had them on, I would go and watch their talks and read their blog and things like that so that I had things to talk to them about. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that took a lot of time too, you know, uh, just lots of time. And uh, so I got, I I needed a break, got a little bit of burnt out and um, Mm -hmm. just uh, wanted to work on some other things as well. So I retired, but I... um, have popped back on uh i did the 200th episode when they hit it you know i came Mm -hmm. back uh, to for that so uh i am definitely not gone forever and and i'm i'm open to being on the show once in a while but yeah i'm I'm taking a break when did you get started working with ruby slash rails i think it was in the summer of 2004 which was 
it was the period right before Rails released. Rails 1.0, this was before Rails 1.0. And it was interesting because I was just, I was freshly off a job. So in that summer, I was just kind of playing around. And I had uh, taught myself a little Ruby and was experimenting with it. And then I think it was that fall when Rails 1 finally released. And it was a very interesting time because in Ruby back then, it was just a small community we all hung out on one mailing list. We all talked to each other. So I, you know, regularly traded emails with uh, Dave Thomas, Avdi Grimm, Jim Wyrick, you know, DHH, uh, you know, all these people were just one small, tiny community. And then Rails landed and exploded. And suddenly everybody was influxing into the Ruby community. And all of a sudden, anybody that knew Ruby and how to get it to do things was in great demand because there was all this new uh, stuff going on in Rails. And so they wanted people that knew Ruby. And so in kind of a lucky twist of fate, this knowledge I had just been playing around with for fun was suddenly very valuable to people. Hey, Between Screen listeners, this is John Friscus from Code School here to say hello. If you're not familiar with us, Code School is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers that teaches through entertaining content. With experienced instructors and high-quality courses, over a million people have trusted Code School to teach the most popular development languages by turning learning into a game-like experience. So check us out at codeschool.com and start learning by doing. For years, Mintetempo Script Service has been the web hosting choice of more designers, developers, and creative professionals than any other platform. A single grid account can host anything from your portfolio site to 100 different client projects. And a grid is ready for anything. Hundreds of servers work together in the cloud to keep your sites online, even if you suddenly hit the front page of Reddit. Also check out their new WordPress hosting product, as well as their launching of Google Apps for Work. Virtual private server solutions are also available with their DV and DB developer hosting plans. You can use the promo code SCREEN25 for 25% off web hosting. Go to mediatemple.net and enter your promo code upon sign-up. Thanks for listening. For people who are new to coding, how much time do you think they should give themselves to figure out if programming is something they could be good at? I mean, after all, getting into programming is maybe not as straightforward as getting into other crafts. It's hard to measure because it um, is because there's there's different levels i think of proficiency like you know at at some point you get to the point where you can solve a ruby quiz right if you've never seen it rubyquiz.com is just a site where there's a bunch of little problems and generally kind of thing you can solve in an hour or so you know and at some point you reach that point but does that mean you're uh, proficient now, you know, could you build a Rails application, per se, you know, and I, I think it depends, like, there are useful levels of programming that aren't all the way in, right, like, being able to script and do simple automations is useful to some people, right, and just uh, doing small little automations, and it doesn't necessarily require a full set of Ruby knowledge and and all the ecosystem that's out there. But then there's, you know, something like building a web application, which is fairly high up there in Ruby land and that, 
you probably got familiarity with Rails, the various plugins and things you can use, how web applications in general are structured, the underlying Ruby, how to interact with databases, you know, lots of different levels of knowledge there. So it's hard to say how much time it takes to reach each of those levels. But I, I think the important thing to note is that each of those levels is useful in its own right. So, you know, if all you need to do, if you work as, uh, you know, if your day job, for example, is a system administrator and you mostly just work, you know, automating uh, machines all day, then uh, some simple scripting skills may be all you need and you may not have to go all the way. And you can definitely get those in a shorter amount of time then you can come all the way up to the top of a web stack, right? And know every piece in it. So I I think, you know, you always hear that you you need 10,000 hours uh, to get proficient at something. Okay, you know, but I I think the part you don't hear is that's to get pretty proficient, you know. Um, To get to the part where you can use something, uh, you know, I think that can be a lot less. Like, uh, you know, maybe even 20 hours to start some basic usage, you know, mm-hmm. obviously not building super complicated things like MUDs or web applications or whatever. But yeah, I, I, there's code.org does this hour of code every year uh, in December. And I went and facilitated it at my daughter's school this year. So I was working with fourth and fifth graders and uh, you get basically an hour. I had a little bit more. Uh, but a little over an hour to teach them some programming basics. And obviously, we don't get into languages and stuff much at that point. Instead, we're kind of playing these games, but it's like these games are like, you know, get the character to move here, but it starts to introduce simple conditionals. You know, if there's a bad guy here, turn the other way, or repeat this process, you know, uh, several Mm -hmm. times. That's programming. It's the basics of it, you know, uh, loops and conditionals and things like that. Uh, these kids were picking it up in an hour, you know, as far as being able to accomplish these tasks. So I, I think one of the important things would be not to disparage the knowledge you have gained in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of um, those early programs um, start with Rails because the feedback cycle is maybe faster. You get more accomplishment, more the feeling of an accomplishment faster, I guess, because you see something on the screen and you can push something to, I don't know, Heroku, um, learn a little bit about Git and I guess it um, gives um, newbies a feeling of accomplishment and that's good. I think that's true. Yeah, the, um, it is nice to be able to just go in there and be like, look, you made a web app and that's great. The downside comes when you run into some kind of error, right? And we all yes. know in programming how incredibly cryptic <laughs> and bizarre the errors can be. And then you just have no foundation of where to, to begin to look for that problem. I think a good middle ground could be building something in Jekyll. Uh, yeah, that's a good... I, I like that. A good middle ground between Sinatra and Rails or purely hammering something out in Ruby because... Jekyll is pretty straightforward, but you have to apply a little bit of Ruby knowledge. You get something up and running, then you have maybe your own hacker block in half a day or a day. That's uh, maybe not so bad. And then you can deploy it to GitHub pages, so you still get that. Yeah. Look what I made feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.